When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This week on Performance Anxiety, we welcome singer, songwriter, and Canadian, Che Ami Dorval. We talk about her new album, Between the Walls and the Window, her time winning the Canadian version of Star Search. We also talk about recording with Devin Townsend with Casualties of Cool, recording with Andrew Luke Oldham, Bob Rock, and David Foster. We also talk about her dog Rufus and a whole bunch of other things. Give her a follow on Instagram at C-H-E-A-I-M-E-E-D-O-R-V-A-L. So enjoy Che Ami Dorval, Performance Anxiety. This is Che Ami Dorval and you're listening to Performance Anxiety. <laughs> what? Oh, technology. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. All right. Thanks for doing this. Oh, man. No, I'm, I should be thanking you. I really appreciate the time. And uh, I'm actually a little bit annoyed because uh, I had something I was going to do and it, it didn't work out. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what it was. Um, I have... <laughs> It's, well, I don't have, all right, so I, I started that out wrong. Um, <laughs> I found these uh, potato chips. Ah, uh, yes. And I'm not, I'm not the biggest potato chip fan, but I found these and I love them. And yeah. they're Ruffles all dressed. Oh, my. And when I pick up the bag, every time I pick one up on there, it says Canada's favorite flavor. Really? Yes. All? Yeah, it's called all dressed and it's uh, it's like a... Salty, sweet, tangy flavor. It's 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 fantastic, but it claims yeah, it's got a big old maple leaf on there, and it says it claims to be Canada's number one flavor. And I was gonna ask since you're Canadian, yeah, uh, is it? No, they're, they're lying. They're oh lying. man, bullshit. Well, the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, I I started like, oh, this will be this will be a funny gag at the beginning of the of the show because the show is supposed to be kind of humor. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't get into politics. I don't get into anything controversial. I just want to know funny stories from what you do for a living. And okay. so I figured, all right, this would be great. I got to start off with a joke and I couldn't find it. And the more I started searching for it, the more I wanted them and I couldn't find it. And I'm sitting there. I'm, my wife called me and she's like, where are you? You know, you got to be here pretty soon for the show. I'm like, I know, I know. She's like, why are you yelling at me? I can't find these damn potato chips. Maybe they're, maybe it's all a ruse. Maybe Canada's just fucking with you. <laughs> you know, well, it wouldn't be the first time. No. Canada has something true. out for me, apparently. 
So wow. I'm going to send you some. <laughs> okay. I know where to find them. They, see, and that's funny. You don't even, you've never even heard of them and they claim to be Canada's number one flavor. Sorry, I'm moving around because it's hot as balls out there. Really? Oh, oh man. Oh. It's actually nice here. We're supposed to get some pretty serious heat early next week. So but like 105 on Tuesday. Celsius. Uh, I have no, see, I'm American. I don't, I don't know that stuff. Well, I should know it makes more sense, no. but does I don't it? Know. Oh, it does. It does. Make it more does. Sense. Cause, cause things freeze at zero and they boil at a hundred. Right. Yeah. And, and that's all I know. So were you guys just trying to be different or <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we were pretty much just assholes all the time. So, oh. <laughs> so that, that kind of falls in line with everything. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, all right. So I, I've one of the first time I heard you was on Devin Townsend's album Key. Yeah, the song Train Fire, and I'm listening to. I remember I've I've always loved Devin Townsend. I, I, the first time I heard him was on in '93, I think, on Steve Vai's album where he was vocal. So I followed him ever since. And yeah, and he came out with Key, listening to Train Fire, and it's got this cool rockabilly beat, and then all of a sudden it stops. And goes into this super chill mode, and then I hear this voice. You called my name, left on a weary road I'm like, wow, who is that? That's not Devin. Who the hell is that? And if I remember right, on the credits, you're just listed as Shay. Am I really? Yeah, I don't think it has has your name. In fact, right now you can you can kind of settle from in my mind. How do you actually pronounce your, your name? Because I grew up with a young lady who spelled her first name the way you spell your middle name. She pronounced it Ami. I have a friend. Oh, yeah. Okay, because I have a friend now who spells it the same way, but pronounces it Amy. Oh, oh he's Amy. I love Amy. The love Amy's everywhere. <laughs> but not the oh. way you spell it. No, yeah, it's actually, apparently it's supposed to be pronounced Ami if there's an accent on, I think, the first E. Okay. And so when the accent isn't there, it's Amy, but I already had an accent in my first name, and that just would have been too many. <laughs> there's too many, too many accents. All right, and your last name, is it Dorval, or is it Dorval, or how do I, how do I pronounce you correctly? Yeah, I'm not even quite sure. I think it's Dorval. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, how long have you had this last name? I know. Right? <laughs> My whole family says it differently. I I say Dorval. It's an airport, so I feel like I don't uh, know, you can tell how they say it. The airport employees, and that's probably how it's done. All right. Well, I'm going to go with you since it's your last name. I'm going to go with your preference. So, well, anyway, so I I heard your voice, and I, and Devin's credits didn't help me at all. So I'm like. Sit- yeah, so I'm sitting there going, all right, I, I, I got to figure this out. I don't know. I don't know how to figure this out. And then a couple of years later, Casualties of Cool came out. And I went, that's it. That's ah. it. So my question is, how did you end up on Devin's Key album in the first place? Uh, how did I end up? I think I was working with, um, oh, Dave Young was teaching me guitar. Ah, Devin's guitarist. Yeah. Yeah, Devin's guitarist. And Devin was looking for um, just sort of like a like a smooth, sort of dark female vocal. Mm-hmm. And I 
I, I'm pretty sure I feel like he was lazy about finding one because <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first choice, but it worked out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I just went over to, to Dave's basement and sang. they like, they set up this recording booth, which was essentially this like couch turned up on its like on its side. And then they put pillows all around it. This, this sounds like a more of a porn set. It did. It did seem like a porn set. <laughs> I was a little afraid, for, but everything was fine. All right, good. Um, yeah, I just sang into a couch, and we became best friends. It all worked out in the end. Thank you, yeah. Shay. It's been a great time interviewing you. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so then, a uh, couple of years later, Casualties of Cool comes out, and it's a complete departure from just about everything else I've heard from Devin. And uh, you play a huge role in that album. And how did that start? Did he was he just sending you stuff to listen to with, with this idea in his head because he liked your you yeah get you done? Yeah, he. So I guess he was staying up late and writing sort of like old Johnny Cash style riffs, and he had this idea of creating this sort of like spacious ambient like horror folk sort of thing. I I think he just wanted a really melancholy record. And I'm like, pretty depressing. So, so he called me up and then he had um, he had two songs that were just, he would send me these songs that were like pretty vast and, and they were more of ideas. There, there'd be some humming on it and just mostly like layered guitars and sort of a, a bit of a drum beat. And then he'd just send it to me and be like, do um, like, do what you will. And then I, <laughs> I Some good direction. Suicide. It was just, it was great. There you go. <laughs> you know, do late at night. You guys were, you guys didn't even meet when you did the album. Was that correct? You, you did it kind of over, over yeah. the internet. We did. We did it over the internet. We met before for the couch session, the weird porn <laughs> couch session. Um, and then we kept in touch. And I think we went out for like maybe a couple coffees here and there, but we really hadn't spent much time together. Um, and then he called me up for this project and we just started, yeah, just bouncing songs over email, which was really freeing because it didn't really feel like there was anyone over your back sort of judging, not that he ever would, but... It's it's really it's vulnerable writing a song with like a person in the same room. It's scary, you know. Yeah. So we both felt free enough to just do whatever, and we did that for maybe six months for the first like seven songs. How many songs are on that? Oh my gosh, there's like there's a ton because it's there's a two album set, two two CDs version, and it's, there's like twenty four songs total, I think, plus. A couple that I've tracked down on YouTube that were USB only. So I oh, guess. Which ones are those? Um, Thing and I don't remember the other one. I have to look it up, but I know Thing was one. And it's it's funny because I, I remember when I guess you did a, was it a pledge music or Kickstarter type of, of deal with that? And if you pledged a certain amount, you could get a US, a thumb drive with oh, some right. unreleased oh, tracks. Yeah. 
So unfortunately, I'm flat broke and I always am and I'm pretty sure I always will be. And so I yes, I can't I can't uh, do a whole lot of those. And I really wanted this and somebody put them online. So yay me, I guess. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm so sorry, everyone who bought the phone thumb drive, (laughs) hard drive. Oops. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. All you had to do was wait like four years, and then you, <laughs> and then you get the get it off YouTube. But oh, your voice is very unique, and I wanted to find out how did you start in in music, and what were you? Uh, what's what are your influences? I guess that's the the, the best what question. Go for, what trained me up? Yeah, um, yeah. What, and and what uh, what were you doing as a kid? What were you listening to as a kid that that influenced you, and 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 maybe influenced the style and how you sing and write now yeah that's fair um it's funny all the stuff i listened to as a kid like none of it is reflected in the stuff that i put out which i mean would love it to be because i love those bands but it's like my mom it was really the stuff that shaped me as a kid was my mom's cleaning music okay so like morning she put on the stereo and blast like the same six albums on repeat <laughs> Like just over and over again, and I essentially like learned to sing from those. So it was there's they're so like typical too. It was um, Fleetwood Mac's big album. What was it called? Rumors. Rumors. Yeah, it was yeah. ABBA. ABBA's like not even just one of their albums. It was like ABBA greatest hits. <laughs> you, you so far, your mom sounds exactly like my mom. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um. What else? There was Queen's greatest hits. Which I stand by. I think they're probably the greatest band in the world. Okay. Or were. Um, yeah. <laughs> what else? And a lot of like Neil Young and a lot of Carly Simon and all that sort of stuff. But the stuff that actually shaped what I'm doing now was I got into in, I guess, in high school. Okay. And it was more, it was more like alternative, really sort of like, lo-fi depressing <laughs> very sad teenage girl <laughs> a theme here yeah a little, a little um, bit of a depressing theme but oh god <laughs> but, I, but i laugh so much well you're already um, doing it now so that's good right i don't know so, <laughs> so i got really into cat power she was she was my oh, heart yeah still is for a long time um who else oh jason molina you know Songs Ohio and Magnolia. No, I know Ralph Molina, but he's in Crazy Horse. Crazy Horse. How do I know that? Neil Young. Oh, Neil yes. Young and Crazy oh, Horse. Dang. Yeah. Um, love yeah, Neil so Young. I'm a huge Neil Young fan. Me too. Who? Like, how can you not be? Who oh, are those? People? Well, that would be my dad. But my dad. <laughs> my dad. Well, my dad's more of a. He likes um, bluegrass and uh, old old country, and he's and. 50s, 60s, doo-wop, stuff like that. He and that's that yeah. That, well, that's that's what he sticks with. He doesn't he doesn't like the Beatles. He doesn't like the Stones. So he's not what? he's not even one of those people that like. Are you a Beatles guy or a Stones guy? He's neither. He's like the like, <laughs> yeah. He's like the one person on the planet that doesn't like either. So he's that's interesting. My dad, yeah, my dad's a uh, he's a very interesting guy. Love him to death, but he's not real. He's adventurous in a lot of stuff. Yeah, music is not one of them. So I almost wish I wasn't interested in music. Oh, you, yeah. You know what? Me too. Because I've got a, a, in the room directly across from where I'm recording this. I've got about three thousand CDs in boxes right oh, now. Fuck. 
Yes. I'm a big... <laughs> I, yeah, well, and that's why I don't have any money now. But, yeah, well, me too, but they're all my CDs. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, so, okay, so that gives me a, a great story. So I'm I'm sitting there, and I've, I figured out who you were. And yeah. had the Casualties of Cool, had Devin's album, and went around looking for more material by you. And I sitting there and I'm like, all right, what's the best place to look? Well, Amazon. So I'm like, all right. So I look you up on Amazon and your first album, Underachiever. Yeah. They had it on there, but it was 45 bucks. What? Yeah. So I shot there. Well, I shot you an email and okay. you may not remember this, but I shot you an email. And I'm like, hey, you know, I've, I've heard you on Devin Townsend's records. I see you have an album. Do you sell it on your own? Because it's on Amazon, but it's 45 bucks and I can't afford that. And you replied and you said, I'll just send it to you. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like well, if you're going to be that nice... Can I get it signed? And you're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So not only did you send me, and this was around Christmas time. So not only did you send me your first album, Underachiever, signed Merry Christmas. You also sent me your EP and you you signed it, You're the Tits. Oh, yeah. And I went, holy crap. (laughs) This lady's awesome. So that's why... When I decided to do this show, you were the one of the first people I contacted. I said, I, I got to have you on because you just, I knew you'd be a lot of fun to talk to. Hey, that makes me really, makes you feel good. Oh, good. No more depression. Yeah, it's gone. It's forever. It's done. <laughs> so I wanted to personally thank you for those awesome signed albums. They, they, first of all, you didn't even, you didn't have to send them to me for free which I appreciated, but you also didn't have to sign them and, and just make me crack up, but I you did. Thanks for wanting them. Thank you. Oh, gosh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And I did actually purchase your new album. So <laughs> I'm waiting for that to arrive, but it's, I do have the download. I'm listening to that every day and it's, and I highly recommend it because it's uh it, it's different. I can definitely feel a progression from your first album in your songwriting, I, it's much more of, of a, I don't want to say band album, but I can, it sounds like it's more focused on the whole aspect of having a band and less on I've, I'm playing, I've got to add a band to it. Yeah, that's exactly how it felt when I was making it. Damn, I'm good. You're so you're so good. <laughs> Holy shit! Somebody should pay me for this crap. I swear. <laughs> no. But uh, no, it was um, yeah, and I was older. Or I am older. It was when I did the first one. That was in I think 2008. Yeah, I think so. so you, well, I mean, you would know better than me, but oh wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a stretch of time. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ten years now. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like back then, I was still, I still am trying to sort of find my footing and my sound, but 
I was also really like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Like, what do you think? And sort of giving it up to other people. And Mm -hmm. now I still do that to some extent, but not, not as much. I kind of have a a bit of a sense of who I am, sort of. Well, you sound like, you know, you're figuring out your sound and it it sounds like uh, you're a lot more confident in your new album uh, than in your first album. So way to go. Thanks, man. (laughs) So, and you you know, you've done some pretty interesting covers also. You post them on YouTube a lot, but you also have your EP where you do, uh, well, no, I I take that back. This one's online too. You do a cover of uh, Black Sabbath's Iron Man. Oh, yeah. And it is so chill. I love it. I play it for everybody, and I'm like, that is so awesome. Who is that? And I'm like, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right, but it's Shay Ami Dorval. <laughs> you so, are. Yeah. How did the covers come about? Because, I mean, you, you, you do a wide variety. I mean, you do Black Sabbath. You've done Roger Miller, Nick Drake. I mean, how do, how do you decide what you want to do, and how hard is it? Do you have to get permission before you can release those things? Or, or I don't know. And Do you want me to edit that after I you answer it? Yeah, maybe. We, no, <laughs> um, probably, I will say probably I'm supposed to get permission. Um, <laughs> certainly haven't on most of them. But the widow, the Mars Volta one, my it went through my my label. So I think I think they dotted the i's and crossed the t's. We'll go with that. Well, that sounds good. But you do you do a great uh, cover of old toy trains for Christmas oh. that I loved. That was really nice. That's my favorite. That's my family Christmas song. We used to like, it was that and then Puff the Magic Dragon at Christmas. I don't know why. <laughs> I didn't, I never thought of that as a Christmas tune, but you may have to release that one this year. That would be uh, fantastic. I might. It's a good song. <laughs> Every time. Um, I just picked them. They're just sort of like little pieces of my history and my past. The, so there was the Toy Trains one. Oh, the Iron Man one. I was working with... Um, Andrew, Andrew Lou Goldham, which oh, is the... Wow. Yeah, super random. Super That's, random. Yeah, I'm, uh, Stones. Yeah, the Stones. I mean, so he, <laughs> but that band like, my dad doesn't like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess him and his partner wanted a cover of that. And there were a bunch of us working sort of in that like production facility. It was like a little family at the time. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, me and this guy, Bryce Tavish, who's an amazing guitar player, um, like concocted that version and just like thought nothing of it and just put it out there. That's kind of how I put out everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, if, if Andrew Luke Oldham is involved, they probably dotted their I's and crossed their T's too. So we'll go with yeah. that. We'll go with that. So. I think that one's good. I think old toy trains, I'm screwed. Like, yeah. I don't know if Roger Miller's coming after you, though. I hope not. <laughs> That would be that would be scary. Would be so. Isn't he? Isn't a big, he dead? A big fat dead guy coming after you. That'd be pretty rough. <laughs> kind of cool. So, so, and all right, so you're you're embarking on a tour soon. Oh yeah. Okay, so my yeah. first question about that is: Have you found a place close to DC yet? 
Um, well, I'm playing Philly, and that is as close to DC as I can get <sighs> for magical reason. I don't know. DC, of all places in America, has been the hardest place to book. Is that normal? I don't know. I've never tried to book anything there. Nobody wants to hear me sing, so I, I can't really tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, not yet. And it's oh, it's crazy how the visas work out in, like from Canada, America sort of thing. Like you need to find out where you're playing four months ahead of time and wow. like put in all the paperwork. And it costs so much money and you're not even guaranteed the visa. Like they might reject you on some ridiculous, like who knows if I'll do this tour. Oh no. I'll do it. But even if I have to do it illegally, you're going to edit that out. Yes. Yes. Of course. No. Um, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. You know what? It's not going to air for a few weeks. Okay. Well, then that's good. I'll already have gotten a visa, hopefully. Yeah. Moot point. Yeah. It's just so strange the way they work. Like, booking a show, generally, venues want you to do it, like, a couple months in advance. And so, no one sort of... There's, like, a lot of holes. This is not interesting, by the way. (laughs) See, to you, it's not. (laughs) But to me, it is. Okay, yeah. So, you put a hold on a venue... And then they want to confirm it maybe like a month and a half before the actual date. Okay. But the visa office needs you to confirm it four months, like early. And so it's this weird, like time loop from hell that (laughs) it's making me crazy. (laughs) It sounds like it. That's, you know, that's typical government stuff. So. Oh, exactly. So you're touring as, as a solo artist right now. You're not going to have a band with you for this tour, correct? Just me. Wow. Vulnerable. Super vulnerable. Very. Not depressed anymore, though. Oh, God. Did you do a lot of touring for the Casualties of Cool album? Um, no. We just did little... Well, we did big shows here and there, which was lovely. If I could do all of my shows like that, that's what I would do. I didn't even know how this happened. We had... We had a show in London at the Union Chapel Theater. I did see that one on YouTube. That was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then we had a show in Helsinki, and then we had a festival gig in the UK. And I think that was our, like, tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three-day tour. But we also, for that three-day tour, had a, like, huge tour bus oh, that wow. made no sense. At all. <laughs> the world of Devin Townsend strikes yeah. again. Yeah. It was great. He's the best friend to have. No kidding. <laughs> so how does how does that differ from touring on your own? I mean, what's I mean, obviously besides the tour bus, I mean the setup is different. I guess you you've got to arrange everything yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I guess for yeah, arranging everything myself. Well, before I when I book in um, the UK, I usually have someone do that for me, but okay. I decided to tackle America on my own. Well, that seems like a good idea. Great idea we had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I set up all the, the dates and I've got to figure out like how to get places and then like where to sleep. Oh, wow. And I've been, I've been thinking about couch surfing. I feel like that's not dangerous at all. No, not. Yeah. I mean, you already, you already hung out at Dave Young's basement so i mean yeah. it can't be any worse than that no no 
Um, <laughs> so yeah. And then the setup, like on stage, it's just me, but it's, it's, uh, it's got this whole, like, like looping system. So I don't feel so alone up okay. here and it's starting to sound pretty good, but it's a, it's fucking scary. Cause if you just, if you hit the wrong button, if you start something like a little bit too soon, you're fucked for uh, like a whole song. But <laughs> well, see, there you go. So you don't get bored. Um, no. So how long of a set do you normally play? How many songs and how long does it normally last? Um, well, for this one, I'm probably like 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, cool. With like a lot of awkward banter in the middle. Just a fill space. That's what I like. That's yeah. what I like. So do you switch up the songs a lot or do you pretty much play a, a, the same set Style. every night? No, or yes. Yes, I do. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm like good on my... My toes. Is that the expression? Good yeah. On your toes? Yeah. Fast, fast on your feet. Toes? Fast on your feet. Whatever. Right. Yeah. I'm not any of those things. So. <laughs> <laughs> Same set every night. And then, but there it's, it's stuff from casualties and then my own stuff. And then I think I'm going to throw in a couple Roach songs, which is Roach is a project I'm doing with Bob Rock that hasn't come out yet, but coming. That's awesome. I'm definitely interested in hearing that. That and that's yeah. th how did you get hooked up with Bob Rock? Such a weird, such a weird way. See, um, and see, this is why I love this doing this show because these are the stories that I want to hear the really weird stories. Yeah, they're just like convoluted, you'd never really expect <laughs> it. So, I guess Devin introduced me to um, this guy, Matthias Eklund, and he oh, is yeah. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, we've become and he gave me all of his tune tracks and like superior drummer and all of those things so I okay. could write which and they're amazing um, and then to say thank you when he was in Vancouver tracking with Bob I didn't know that at the time I took him up for dinner and so before dinner I stopped by the studio and I had no idea what he was doing there I just thought I was picking him up and then leaving and then all of a sudden like Bob Rock strolls into the room <laughs> Like what is this? <laughs> and then, oh, I remember our first meeting was so strange because I must have been PMSing or something. But he, like, I was looking at this like reel-to-reel -reel tape machine in the corner of the room, and I was like just looking at it because it was super old. It's like vintage. Well, I mean, they are, but oh, yeah. <laughs> old and it was huge, and I hadn't seen one like in that condition or that majestic. And then Bob was like. Do you know what that is? I was like, yes. He was like, <laughs> he was like, it's a reel to reel, it's a tape machine. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I, the, whole, the whole time, the whole time at dinner, I was just like, oh, he, he just said that because I'm a girl. Like, this is ridiculous. Machine. <laughs> and then I got an email the next day that was from Matthias that was like, Bob heard your casualty, your casualty stuff and like really, really loved it. And he wants to know if you want to like co-write some songs. And, and I was like, yes. And then I emailed with him back and forth and he was like the nicest man in the world. So a hundred percent, he wasn't razzing me about a tape machine and I was just being a total bitch. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I can see how that was a little, a little awkward, but that, but, you know, but we're good friends. Yeah. So it's all good. 
<laughs> that, well, that's, that's, he's a good friend to have. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely is. We actually <laughs> write some like beautiful things together. It's, I'm excited to actually release them to the world. It's unlike anything I've done at more. It's sort of a bit more, there's a bit more pop in it, but not the annoying kind that makes you want to kill yourself. You oh, know? well, that's, that's good. Cause, uh, you know, we've got enough depression already in, in this yeah. interview. So. Oh, there'll be more. <laughs> okay. okay. about you? Do we do that? Is that a thing that we can do? We can, yeah, we can do it. Do it. All right. Um, this is the most professional interview you have ever done, isn't it? Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think the least crazy, so that's nice. Least, I mean, I was going for most because that's that's oh. what this whole thing's about. Damn it. It'll, it'll come. <sighs> I just got to okay, do more of them. Ask questions about you. Okay, go ahead. Shoot. Then we'll go back. Then we'll go back. So okay. you're in Virginia. Yes, I am. I know. I know nothing about Virginia. I don't even really know. Where. You don't even know where That's, if Virginia is a real place. Yeah, I have a question, and this is random. Do you have horses or access to horses? I know where I can get to some horses. In yeah? fact. Down about 20 to 30 minutes from where I live is a, a little place called Middleburg and, and Upperville. And they have some of the most incredible horses in the world. There are so many, there's so much money in those two areas that uh, it's, it's actually world renowned for the horses they breed there. So it's that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. Am I going to swing through there on my tour? Uh, see, where are you going to be before Philadelphia? New York. New York. Where about? Where after Philadelphia? <laughs> um, I think it's Columbus or, or Pittsburgh. You actually might come. You might swing close to where I'm in in Winchester. You'd be. It'd be like a half an hour out of your way to go to Middleburg. And upper hill. But there'll be you, and then there'll there'll be horses yeah, as well. Exactly. Sweet. Today so, we're going. On, we're going to go horseback riding. Excellent. Excellent. All right. All right. Uh, All right. That's so, one of picks of my summer. It's a summer plan. Perfect. <laughs> we'll do it. All right. So what what what's the next question? Uh, or is that it? No. No. There's more. <laughs> that one was. I wasn't like waiting with me to ask him this. Um. Okay, so you live with your wife in a home? Yes. Like a house? Yep. And how much houses over there? How much? Yeah. In in my in the area where I live, uh anywhere from two hundred thousand and up. You could so probably even, you could probably even get one a little less, but um my house also my house is like fifty years old. So That's- crazy that's that's not old so, i wouldn't consider that old well it's it's old in this area i mean in, in here you get you have houses that are are like 200 years old yeah or brand new oh so, no <laughs> yeah fair. yeah and, and so i'm in an area i'm in an area that uh it, it's an older neighborhood a lot of old people that are slowly dying off so level Oh yeah, it's it's a nice and quiet area. Except for when my dog goes goes on the back deck and he goes apeshit for everything. Oh buddy. So speaking of dogs, I know you've got a really cute dog. What kind of dog is he? Yeah. 
he's a he's a German Shepherd um, Roddy Lab. He's just a mutt. We're not we're not really sure what he is. What's his name? It's Rufus. Rufus. That's a great yeah. name. Good name. It's after Rufus Wainwright. Oh, there you go. Not yeah. Shaka Khan. No man. Not the Shaka no. Khan Rufus. No. Oh, okay. I no idea who that is. I was gonna act. You don't know Shaka Khan? I know Shaka Khan, but oh. where does Rufus fit in? That was her first band before she came, struck out, and became just Shaka Khan. You know this <gasps> song, uh, "Tell Me Something Good." Yeah, that's so, Rufus. Really? Yeah. Wow, I See, feel dumb. This this is educational. <laughs> this show is educational. Look at that. It is educational. <laughs> okay, so I guess you, I like Grand Rufus. What do you do with Rufus when you're on tour? Um, my lovely fella, he takes care of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Really stressful for him, but he does a great job. But he's actually coming on this tour. So I think Rufus is going to go with the parents, the grandparents. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to say, if you guys bring Rufus, he can meet my dog. Oh my God, that would be great. (laughs) He's such an asshole on a plane, though. He would ruin the plane. Well... My dog's an asshole in my house, so you know Fair. they might get along great. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, that's all right. So, all right. in um, in one of your songs, you mentioned uh, taking the fifth. Oh yeah. Remember, but there's no Fifth Amendment in Canada. I know. You know what? I also say miles. Oh, I didn't notice that. I didn't even think of that. No, no, no. I just, I'm, I'm very confused. Like I'm a confused lady. <laughs> respond to boundaries of any sort. Man. Well, <laughs> well here for the people listening then. Th- all right. So there's no equivalent to the fifth amendment in Canada. However, a witness who is compelled to testify is protected under section 13 of the charter of rights and free the Canadian charter of rights and freedoms from having any incriminating statements used to in- Criminate that witness in any other proceedings. Ooh. So that's great. Good to know. So next time instead of singing about the fifth, you can sing about section thirteen of the charter. I don't and <laughs> kilometers. I don't know how well those will rhyme. That'll be great. I'm but, gonna put that into a song. But just, <laughs> <laughs> your equipment. How technical are you? Are you are you a gearhead with your rig or do you just kind of find one thing and stick with it? You always collecting pedals or I, yeah, I think I got that from Devin. It kind of rubs off on you. Um, (laughs) I'm definitely a gear whore, but I don't know quite how to use any of it. Mm, So it's fun. Yeah. You just, it's definitely sort of experimentation always. And I, right now I'm sticking with something because it's just so easy. Um, And then I've got a, a couple like, Dunlop like MXR pedals that I I love so I can't let go of them. Oh yeah. So I've got I've got that. I've got like the Echoplex from MXR and it's amazing. Yeah. And then the Axe, the Axe Eight. I'm not from, familiar with that one. What is it? Axe Eight Fractal. Oh, it's like yeah. It's it's like everything you need in just this one super simple box. Oh, nice. Exactly. Yeah, so I've given, I've pretty much like given away most of my pedals for uh-huh. this. One. Wow. During easier and, but in that one pedal, it's like you can, you can change and craft every, like every element of any sound. So it's just this like 
this whole universe of confusion in this little simple box. So that's fun. Yeah, it it is really fun. It's really fun, but crazy. Like you definitely lose yourself in it. Oh, I could absolutely do that. I've I've got a very limited amount of pedals for my guitar, and I I get lost in it for hours. And, and I've got like four pedals. So. Right? Yeah. So, but the one thing I did get after years and years of trying to figure this out is mm-hmm. an Aless an Alesis Quadriverb preamp. And when I was Ooh. when I was uh, in college, my favorite album was Verve's The Northern Soul. Or not, not I mean The Storm in Heaven. Northern Soul was the second, but okay. Verve's very first album and their guitarist Nick McCabe had this shimmery, swirly liquid sound in his guitar and I spent years trying to figure out how to do it. And then Facebook came along and I shot I shot him a question because they would come on every once in a while and say, "Hey, we're online, shoot us some questions." And I said, what do you use to get the sound on on uh, Storm in Heaven? Oh, Alexis Quadriverb. What? And at the time, it was when it was new. It was like a three four hundred dollar preamp. I think yeah. it's on eBay now for like sixty bucks. So holy I bought, shit! Yeah, so I bought one. Now I can sound like one of my guitar idols. That's so exciting! But I can't. I can't play. A, you know, yeah, like, I, I can't play like him, but but I can make noises like him. Exactly, and that's all that matters. Yeah, it's exactly. all just noise, anyways, right? I'm not going on tour. It makes me happy. So, <laughs> oh, I am. I should probably get better at the guitar. <laughs> well, um, well, you know, if you can hang with Devin, if Devin's willing to to hang out with you, you're probably doing all right. And if Dave's teaching you, yeah, I think well, you're probably doing better than I am. I think I had maybe two lessons with Dave, <laughs> and then started hanging out. It was like I'm not going to practice. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe uh, we should. Friends, <laughs> <laughs> get me on. Uh, get me on a couple albums. Do you ever? Yeah. You guys, you ever just let loose and pull out some old thrash metal or something and scream? Yeah. Um, I feel like I have, but I can't. Let me think. No, man. I think my equivalent, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like putting on Rent and then. Oh, okay. A whole soundtrack to Rent. Oh man. It's just, oh. The same. So no testament or Megadeth or anything like that. No, no, just cats and rent and like. <laughs> yeah, same. Like you said, same thing. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to be uh, you and Devin doing any more casualties of cool? I heard a rumor that there's some more casualties of cool stuff coming. Yeah, there is. We're both very slow, and we're both very busy. I'm. He's always busy, and yeah. I just started to get really busy. So we have a couple songs where we're sort of. Fashion back and forth right now. Um, it's really nice that he's not touring right now, so we can actually like devote some time to starting slash finishing this record. But yeah, we, it's it's happening. That's awesome. Well, I, the first album was so amazing. I mean, it went from you know uh, like Mountaintop and Daddy to to I don't even know how to pronounce half. You know, there's that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yes, uh, that one. I um, never say it. And then perspective and some, you know, there's just some amazing stuff. So I'm, I love hearing the two of you play off each other. So I'm, I'm excited to hear anything that comes between you two guys. So speaking of that, when you're in the studio, you work, uh, not working with Devin, cause I don't want this whole interview to be about you and Devin. <laughs> so how much, how much of your work do you have figured out before you get into the studio and how much is, is worked out while you're recording? Well, for all my my solo stuff, that whole album, 
I demoed everything at home first. So like all of the vocals were figured out. Most of the guitars most of the guitars, but I don't know. There were some that weren't. So yeah, for my solo stuff, I figured pretty much everything out beforehand. And then when I get into the studio, um, my producer, Sean, Sean F. Cole, is, he's great. He sort of puts his sort of artistic take on it. And then the musicians come in and they put their take on it. But at the beginning, it is sort of like a fully fledged thing. And then with um, Roach, it's, yeah, we do the same thing that me and Dev do. He just, he sends some things and then I chop them up and sing on them or I send some things and he puts guitar on it. And then we go into the studio with like sort of an idea of what's going on. And then I do whatever feels good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I also saw that, uh, you speaking with working with, uh, Andrew Luke Oldham and Bob Rock, you also worked with David Foster. Yeah. How did that happen? And what, what kind of, what work was that? Cause yeah, that was a, when I, I'll tell you right now, if you haven't, if you haven't figured this out, <laughs> talking to me, when I find somebody I like, I'm a completist and I will go and, and try to hunt down everything you've been on. So oh. how, how did this, uh, how, how, what did you do with David Foster and how can I find it? Oh, never find it. Oh. Ha No. Um, so when was this? This was a long time ago and. I had just sort of, I think I'd just gotten back from Europe and it was after high school. And I was like, okay, Jay, like you've got to now figure out what you're going to do with your life. And that was terrifying. So I just sort of, I like half-assed music for a long time. Okay. You know, I just sort of like said I was a musician and then I didn't really do it. But as a bad. Because of that, my my mom, who is amazing and she's always been really supportive, um, was just like at that point, just like fed up. So she signs me up for this <laughs> for this like star search contest. Oh, and yeah, which is like it's never been my thing. I'm not a sort of I don't like to compete, and I'm not I I don't know I don't like to compete. Maybe that's what it is. But so I I wasn't doing anything. So. I just, I did it. And then I like, I won it, which was great. Awesome. Which was very surprising. Um, <laughs> very, very surprising. And so I wasn't, I don't think I was really ready for like what that meant and what, um, what sort of that, that section of the music industry was, but basically it was his. So yeah, it was his star search competition. And okay. the prize was, to go to LA and to write a song with um, Cara Du, what's her last name? Diaguardi? Cara Diaguardi? Oh, yeah. Well, she was like an American Idol or something. Yeah. She was, okay. I think she was. So her and then this guy, Greg Wells, who was, I, he's so great. He actually worked with Rufus Wainwright, which oh, wow. I was like astounded by. <laughs> and it all but, comes full circle. I know, right? And then, yeah, so so I did that, and then there was like a there was a contract and a like a a bunch of things to do with David Foster and like in that world. But it just it was basically going to be like I wouldn't really have the right to my to my own choices. Does that make sense? Yeah. I wouldn't really have a choice of like songs or like my look or like uh... any which. Stress me out. Well, yeah. 
That, that so makes just, total sense. Yeah. So I just didn't do it. <laughs> so you won, you, you won Star Search slash American Idol and then decided I'm not going to do it. Yeah. That's, Which I stand by. I, for me, personally, it's not, it's not my thing. I give you credit because they're not. I don't think there's a whole lot of people that would do that because it would. It, they would look at that as, all right, that's this is this is where it starts. Boom, and and you stuck with mm-hmm. with your ideals and and wanted to do things that you wanted to do. So yeah, good and for it's you. like, hey, I mean, I definitely took the like the poor route for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the same thing and I didn't win any damn contests. So. Yeah. Or whatever. I mean, it's like a happy poor route with like suicidal jokes. There you go. Yeah. Hey, what's better than that? I think it's great. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had stories. So, all right. I've only got a couple more questions. I'll let you go. I've and I've kept you for almost not quite an hour yet, but uh, do you write all the time, or do you sit down and focus when you want to do an album? Um. I I think I write all the time, but but spottily. Like I'll like songs throughout a year. I'll like at the end of the year I'll have like twenty songs, but it's not because I sat down and like really like made it happen. It just it just so happens that oh they they came out of nowhere. Like I don't even remember doing this. Like the other day I was looking at my weird loop pedal, and it has a bunch of different tracks. And there was one track with like a loaded song on it. And I was like, what's this? And I played it and it was like something I wrote, I guess, at some point. <laughs> but I was like, it's pretty good, but I can't remember doing it. Oh, wow. So that happens a lot. <laughs> 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 yeah. And then at the end, at the end of like, when I have 20 songs, I'm like, well, I guess I should put out an album. And then like, that's Hey, there you go. It's stumble yeah. upon an album. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm uh, changing it this year, though. I'm doing it with intention. I feel like I should just have a system and have a routine and sort of see what that and like how that serves me. I feel like that would be kind of healthy, maybe. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like, Sounds so- like a plan. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you haven't done it before, you're not going to know if it works for you. Yeah. So I feel like it might be so- all right, so what are you listening to now that I might find surprising? If I will go through your your your, I don't even know what the hell people listen to shit on anymore. Is uh, sure. if if I go through your music, what am I gonna find that's that's surprising to me? Um, all right, who am I listening to? Oh, so I'm listening to Kendrick Lamar because okay. he's fucking awesome. And then what else? And Brune, I just discovered, which isn't surprising. It would make sense that I would listen to her. <laughs> but who else? Oh, do you remember Chibo Mato? Yes. 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 Oh, that's Love. cool. I got into like a Dixie Chicks kick. It's because of my, my mom used to listen to them oh, a lot. That's one of the mom <laughs> albums, huh? Yeah, but I love them. And, oh, they make me cry. Um... Oh, yeah. And then, like, a lot of A Tribe Called Quest and, like, Handsome Boy Modeling School. Have you ever heard? Yes. Yes. I've I've definitely heard of them. So fucking good. Have you? Sorry. One more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Have you? No one's ever heard of this. And it's a Christmas album. And it's the best one ever made. Ever. And it's by John Anderson. It's called Three Shit. I have it. 
Do you have it? I have it. I can go into my other room and pull it out right now. Yeah. I have it on CD. It's so it's so good. It's how is it not everywhere? <laughs> I was surprised. It's it's funny because I mean it, it, the cover art looks like a old Roger Dean yes album, and uh, yeah, it's 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 funny because if you look if you I don't know did you, did you download it? Do you have the the actual album or? I've got it's on Spotify, but I the it's, covers on it. It's so eighties. It's so eighties. Yes, looking. It it's, looks like like it kind of looks like a spaceshipy kind of yeah, it's like three little spaceships. And then if you turn it around, it's got it's got uh, John on the back with that like almost like a like a Michael Jackson or a Wham kind of white jacket and the little squiggly yeah. line things that it, that they put on everything back then. I don't I don't know, but I'll give you I'll tell you a funny story. Well, I tell I do another show, and it's mm-hmm. uh, so if anybody's listening to this ever. I'm going to be end up pimping my other show. It's uh, it's a sports show. It's called Eight Ball yeah. Sports, and it's 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 really funny. It's it's even more comedic than this interview has been. It's yeah. uh, it's basically comedy with a little bit of sports. And uh, I have two of my really good buddies on it, and uh, one's a guy named Tommy Caprio. He's a producer for Comedy Central. Um, if you ever watched Jim Jeffries' show on Comedy Central, he produces I have, yeah. that. Have you ever watched Workaholics on Comedy yeah. Central? He produced yeah. that too. Wow! And uh, the other guy is a guy named Eric Rosenbaum. Mm-hmm. You ever watch the show Smallville about yeah. Superman? Yeah. Well, his brother played Lex Luthor. Oh, weird! So the three of us get together. They're in LA. I'm in Virginia. We we do it like we do this, yeah. and uh, we have uh, I got I made some pretty interesting contacts through trying to get interviews. And mm-hmm. one is this PR firm out of North Carolina called French West Vaughn, and the owner is a guy named Rick French. The guy I made contact with there set me up with Rick one day and just to chat. Uh, we, he'd been giving us interviews and uh, with some some athletes and some people behind the scenes. Uh, a really cool place called Sure Sports Lending that, that does loans for athletes. Because yeah. I don't know if you know this, but between the time an athlete is drafted and the time the season starts, they don't get paid. And so, really? Yeah. So it could be months. And, you know, they're not going to go flipping burgers at McDonald's. So they'll right. go and get a loan based on the guarantees in their contract. So everybody check out Sure Sports Lending. So anyway, <laughs> um, so I, we would get people like that. And they a couple of years ago, the Major League Baseball winter meetings were in D.C. And this guy, Jack, who I was getting all my contacts from, said, hey, you got to meet up with Rick, the boss of this place. He's a great guy. And I want you to meet him. All right. So we meet up. And uh, he apparently... Not only does he own this PR firm, he's also part owner of a minor league baseball team, the Daytona Tortugas, and he sits on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Board of Trustees and the nomination committee. So Rick and I hit it off like that, and it turns out he's a great friend with all the guys in Yes. And he's been pushing for them to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for years, and they finally got it. And he he got he was the one who got to call him and say, "Hey, you guys made it finally." Oh my god! So warms the heart, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So, and it's funny because when he got onto the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he got on because they were getting rid of the artists that were on the board because they were touring, recording. They weren't really promoting the hall, so they yeah. made a whole big change and got rid of those guys. Rick, uh, long. Long story, really short. Rick met up with the, one of the guys who's on the board. He put Rick's name in for nomination as they were doing this. Rick was kind of a long shot to make it, but he did. And uh, so he said, "All right, well, whose seat did I take on the board?" And I goes, "Oh, Eric Clapton's." 
So, <laughs> like, you will have like two people that's ever replaced Eric Clapton in anything. You and Jeff Beck. Whoa, hey, so, and the, pretty cool. Club. Yeah. The great, the great thing about Rick is he's the nicest guy on the planet. I can, I can right now. I, I can send him a text, and he'll be like, "Oh, no, hey, what's going on, buddy? What's, what's, you know, how you doing? What, what's going on with the new show?" And he's just the sweetest guy ever. So I'm really happy for his success. But your John Anderson made me think of that. So. That's really beautiful. I like that. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, I want to be a part of that club. I want to replace somebody cool. Oh, me too. Ah. We'll do it. We'll have to work on it. We'll have to figure it out. We can brainstorm. Yeah. We'll figure it out. So, yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, Shay, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This is Performance Anxiety. I tried to dance with some guy at Nam this year in the lobby. It really. I just, I just traded. I just, they were like, it just seemed like a good idea. Not the point, but yeah, yeah I've got, I've got some friends with stories. Here it comes. Um, should I not look? And should I not, yeah, not just look don't look. Cover your eyes. Cover your eyes. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh God! Don't laugh. Okay, here. Have that. Okay. <clears throat> This is Chayami Dorval, and you're <laughs> one more time. <laughs> <laughs> How is this the hardest part? <laughs> it's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.